Welcome forward now. You're listening to the Millionaire's Roundtable. I am your host, Lynn Richardson, here on KBLA Talk 1580. And we are creating millionaires, one family at a time, one day at a time, one dollar at a time, and one dime at a time. And that means you. Yes, I live in a state of peace, harmony, joy, abundance, grace, and most importantly, gratitude. I am thankful for the opportunities that have been extended to me that I get to share with others. I am thankful for the opportunities that you present. I'm thankful for where we have come because I know where we have been. I know where I have been. I was born and raised in Chicago. My grandmother was 75 years old, cleaning homes for wealthy people, putting me through college. If you know me, you know that I've said that probably at this point, hundreds of thousands of times. I say it not because I am stuck in a place that I have transcended beyond. I say it because I will never forget her sacrifice. I will never forget her waking up every single cold morning in Chicago, whether it was 30 below zero with a negative 40 wind chill factor, whether it was so windy that the rain would blow away your umbrella or whether the snow was up to her hip with her four foot 11 inch frame. No matter what, she got up every single day. I never remember Grandma B having a sick day. I never remember her staying home in bed because she had the sniffles or quite frankly, like me, because she didn't want to go. I never remember that. I always remember her getting up at three or four in the morning because we lived on 44th and Cicero in Chicago, a neighborhood that is no longer there. My only memory of the neighborhood is what I can visualize when I close my eyes because when I drive past the place where I used to live, I see nothing but grass and trees. I know that we know what it is like to have the past erased. And I also know that we know what it is like to create a new future. Yet and still, she would get on that bus, two trains, a bus, the L, or whatever it took to go from 44th and Cicero to Skokie, to Evanston, to Deerfield, to clean the homes of wealthy white Americans. They were always white. No disrespect and no ill will, but they were always white. And so I say that I was born and raised in Chicago and my grandmother, who was 75 years old, uh, stood with me, cheered me on, loved me on, whipped me too, because I had a big mouth and I talked back. I say that so that I won't ever forget. It is what fuels me today and every single day to continue to preach, teach, speak, and live the possibility of wealth. Why? Because we are still facing a wealth gap in America. 
The wealth gap between black and white Americans has been persistent and extreme. It represents, scholars say, the accumulated effects of four centuries of institutional and systemic racism and bears major responsibility for disparities in income, health, education, and opportunity that continue to this day. Consider that right now, the net wealth of a typical black family in America is around one-tenth that of a white family. A 2018 analysis of U.S. incomes and wealth written by economists Moritz Kahn, Moritz Schillerich, and Ulrich Steins and published by the Federal Reserve Bank of Minneapolis concluded, the historical data also revealed that no progress has been made. Let me repeat, no progress has been made in reducing income and wealth inequalities between black and white households over the past 70 years. Now, I'm not 70 years old, but I have been in the financial services industry now for more than 25 years. I remember graduating from college and thinking that I had pretty much captured what it took to live out the American dream. Yet, in my early days of my young marriage, uh, being married with a beautiful daughter, I realized that every time I had a kid, I was going to need $25,000 more in income, at least if I wanted to be able to continue to go to work, pay for daycare, educate that child, and put her in at least an activity or two that would broaden her artistic, social, and economic horizons. I re realized that. And I realized at that young age, at 23, 24 years old, that I absolutely had no power, or so I thought. I realized that my husband's paycheck was fixed. I realized that my paycheck was fixed. And so I proceeded to do something about it. I prayed that God would lead me into a career where I could help people. That was number one. Number two, I wanted to be able to come and go as I pleased. Now, let me go back to number one. I wanted to help people in a major way that would impact their lives in a major way. That was the specific prayer. I didn't just want to help people at Walmart as a greeter. And there's nothing wrong with being a greeter at Walmart. But I wanted to do something that would significantly impact and change people's lives. That I knew. Why? Perhaps because I knew that I needed a significant impact and a change in mind in my life. Number two, I wanted to come and go as I please. Everybody who knows me knows I don't really like rules. <laughs> and number three, I wanted to control my income. This is where you come in. The harvest is here and the time is now. KBLA Talk 1580. We've got a lot to talk about. More of the Millionaire's Roundtable with Lynn Richardson when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. Amplifying progressive voices for KBLA Talk 1580. Welcome forward now. This is the Millionaire's Roundtable here on KBLA Talk 1580. And this is Lynn Richardson. And we are creating millionaires one family at a time, one day at a time, one dollar at a time and one dime at a time. And that means you. 
So we're talking about the black wealth gap uh, in honor of Juneteenth, in honor of every opportunity that we have had to be seen, in honor of Martin Luther King Day, in honor of uh, presidencies that include African-American leaders, in honor of everything that we have been able to amass, uh, I think it is I think it is befitting for us to start to really take a look at what can we actually do. Knowledge is not power until it is put into action. So let's understand the history. And I know we all know, but let me just put it together in one lump sum. After the end of slavery and the failed reconstruction, Jim Crow laws, which existed until the late 1960s, virtually ensured that black Americans in the South would not be able to accumulate or pass on wealth. That meant getting bank accounts. That meant getting savings account accounts. That meant getting and obtaining a stockbroker, brokerage accounts. If you are a black person in the South, in America, during Jim Crow, and there is no internet, there is no TikTok, there is no Instagram, there is no Robin Hood, there is no stash, you, you don't have access to put money into the stock market and watch it grow over time. If you are a black person in America, in the South, uh, during, before, during, and even after Jim Crow, you don't necessarily have the access to the resources to go and purchase a home. And even if you do get in the door and submit the application, your application clearly states, states that you are uh, an African-American. If you're a single woman, oh my goodness, please, that simply is not going to happen. But the truth of the matter is this. Even through the Great Migration and after, African-Americans faced unemployment, housing discrimination, educational discrimination all over across the country. After World War II, do you realize that many white veterans were able to take advantage of the GI Bill to buy homes? Home ownership was the largest asset held by most American families Home ownership was and still is the foundation for building wealth. Yet, we did not have access to low interest rates. We did not have access to appreciating neighborhoods. As a matter of fact, lenders often fairly turned down black applicants, shutting those veterans out of the benefit. So yes, we had black soldiers who came home and who wanted to buy homes. And even though the government had supplied legislation, information, access, and the financial resource for home ownership, you go into the bank and you're shut down. I know this firsthand. So I talked about asking for the ability to help people in a way 
that would impact their lives in a major way. And stick with me because I'm going somewhere. Because we've got to stop just listening to the news. We've got to stop just knowing that the problem exists. We've got to stop um, basically succumbing to what seems to be an insurmountable problem. And the only way I know how to tell you what to do is to tell you what I did. So I asked at this young point in my marriage, young point in my life, I asked God to lead me into a career where I could help people in a way that would impact their lives in a major way. I wanted to be able to come and go as I please because I'm that person. If you tell me to work from nine to five, let me tell you, I got problems. And if you if you look at the clock at nine o'clock and I'm not there and you call yourself docking my pay, oh my goodness, you have sent my whole entire soul into uh, a rampage because I am that person. I will work from seven to seven. I am a get the job done kind of girl. I will work through my lunch at my desk and never take a break. I'm that kind of person. So I did not want to be confined to a clock. Uh, the last criteria was that I be able to control my income. And uh, this uh, I grew uh, to understand after having uh, a basically a career changing opportunity, running a campus uh, for a community college right outside of Chicago. And uh, my goal, the goal that was set for me was to open this campus with 50 students. And I had six months to do it. We opened the campus with 388 students, but we had a staff and a budget for 50. I did it all. I hired teachers. I taught classes. I enrolled students in school. I set up their financial aid. I made sure the computers worked. I did it all for about $26,000 a year. And then I realized after the college was so excited about the success and I was on all these different committees, I began to look at how I could get a raise because I was doing more than <laughs> we had talked about. Okay. And um, I needed to go get another degree. So I needed to spend another thirty or $40,000 to get a master's degree. And then my income would go up to $31,000. So when we talk about closing the wealth gap, I need you to understand that the old adage that we could go to school, get a good job and, uh, you know, retire in 40 years and become financially free. Um, that's a myth. Because I was on that path. Many of my brothers and sisters have been on that path. And that simply is not the end of that formula. It is not an all-inclusive process. And so after realizing that I'd have to go get probably eight more degrees, work for 20 more years, uh, and probably become either, a, you know, get a PhD and still earn, I don't know, whatever number they had set out. I, I said, that's not the system for me. And so I went into the mortgage business. I just need you to understand how I got here. I went into the mortgage business. Now, we talk about living out what it is that you believe you were put here to do. I talk about that a lot. I am telling you, when I landed into the mortgage business for the first time in my life, I felt free. I understood the regulations. I understood the guidelines. I understood... Uh, I read what the underwriters 
were reading. So when I submitted an application, there was no way for my customers loan. And in 99.99% of the time, these are African-American customers. There is no way you can deny the loan because I read all of the rules. As a matter of fact, I read some rules that maybe you have forgotten. Yet, there was discrimination. Yet, I had to advocate. Yet, I had to fight. Yet, I had to present facts. And yet, I had to know what the laws were in order to match up the facts with the laws. And in some cases, I had to go even a step further. So, ask for what you want. Because the harvest is here and the time is now. Let's talk about real estate, real estate, real estate. Hi, I'm financial expert Lynn Mitchison. You've seen me on Good Morning America, The Breakfast Club, and KBLA Talk. I'm so excited about sharing with you the Home Buyers Club. It's time for you to get the home of your dreams. No credit, no problem. Low credit, no problem. No down payment, no problem. I'm excited about you getting a piece of the American dream. Join the Home Buyers Club today. So, yes, we're talking about closing the wealth gap, uh, the state of black wealth in America has been bleak. We have been in a space uh, for quite some time where no progress has been made. Now, that's, it's not shocking to me and it's not alarming to me, yet it is profound. No progress has been made even though there has been financial literacy uh, extended uh, to communities of color. There has been no progress even though the National Association of Real Estate Brokers, NARED, uh, the first African-American professional association that was ever created, even though NARED has had a home ownership uh, mission uh, for decades, even though I've been doing this for decades, even though folks like you have been seeking and searching and preaching and teaching, you mean to tell me there has been no progress? Well, let me help you explain. Let me help you understand why. Let me explain. Let me help you understand why. I talked about being young in the mortgage business and I literally found my sweet spot. I was able to do several things that I enjoy doing and or that I happen to be uh, naturally uh, blessed with the ability to do. I had the ability to analyze data. And I love to analyze data, think and figure out how to put things together. I had the ability to nurture, communicate. I talked to families. I understood why their credit score was 502 and the minimum credit score for the loan was 620. Uh, I talked to individuals who had been through bankruptcy and foreclosure. I spoke to them. So I got the opportunity to hear what people had gone through. And then I got the opportunity to do the other thing that I love to do, which is to help them fix it. Uh, I am a change agent. I don't just help people. I aim to shift them into another dimension. Yet, as I am reading the rules and I understand the guidelines, I'm presenting files to uh, underwriters uh, at institutions who do not understand my customers. Let me give you an example. 25 years ago, if you wanted to get a mortgage, you'd have to produce 
what is called today a verification of rent or show a history of, you know, housing payments made on time. So if you were, you know, someone who lived in the suburbs, you know, let's say you lived in Naperville or you lived in uh, Woodland Hills. I'm, and I'm talking about Naperville, Illinois or Woodland Hills, California or um, some other suburb. Then chances are your rent was collected by a property manager. Chances are that property manager was contracted by the building owner to maintain the property, collect rents, and also to provide uh, information regarding on-time payments. And so if you went in to get a mortgage, you could uh, provide that property manager's information and they would send a letter to the mortgage company stating, yes, Mrs. Richardson has paid her mortgage or paid her rent on time every month for the past 24 months. And I'm specifically talking about renting, uh, rental payments. However, if you lived on 79th and Ashland, okay, and uh, or if you lived in Inglewood, okay, and your landlord is Miss Jackson, and she either lives on the first floor or down the street, uh, they would not accept Miss Jackson's letter because Miss Jackson was deemed to not be as valid of a resource, as valid of a uh, confirmation as the property manager in the suburbs. I'm telling you the truth. Okay? So here I am with customer after customer after customer who lives in the hood, basically, or who lives in a community where the landlord collects the rental payment. But I've got one better for you. We're talking about closing the wealth gap, but you have to understand why bias exists. And then we have to get educated about these biases. We have to get the knowledge and then take action because knowledge is not power until you put it into action. So if your property manager could not verify your rental history with a letter that the underwriter would accept, well, then you could supply your last 24 canceled checks. Well, if, you pay, if you're paying rent in the suburbs, then maybe you have canceled checks. Better yet, if you have a checking account, uh, then you have canceled checks. But what if you go cash your check at the currency exchange? Like my grandma did, whenever she got anything, she went to the currency exchange, she cashed her check, uh, she uh, paid her water bill, her light bill, her gas bill. That's how she did it. Well, the underwriter would not accept this particular scenario. I had to explain that my customer lives in whatever neighborhood and the building is managed by the landlord who lives in the building and she does not take checks <laughs> because they bounce, right? I'm just keeping it real. She does not take checks. She only takes cash and she gives my customer, our future homeowner, a written receipt now, the underwriter is thinking fraud. The underwriter is thinking this can't be true. The underwriter is thinking this doesn't make sense. But I had to know my community. And then I had to go to the rules and show them that it does not say in the rules 
that verification has to come from this place, that place or the other. And if you can take the property manager's check, you can take Miss Jackson's check. If you can take the property manager's letter, you can take Miss Jackson's letter. The harvest is here. The time is now. KBLA Talk 1580. We've got a lot to talk about. Lynn Richardson is making millionaires. One family, one day, one dollar, one dime at a time. You're listening to the Millionaires Roundtable on KBLA Talk 1580. Curiosity is more important than intelligence, but we've got both. Now celebrating one year being your trusted truth teller. You're listening to KBLA Talk 1580. Welcome forward. Now, this is the Millionaire's Roundtable here on KBLA Talk 1580. And this is Lynn Richardson. And we are creating millionaires one family at a time, one day at a time, one dollar at a time and one dime at a time. And that means you. Yep. We're talking about closing the black wealth gap in America. We've been talking about it for a long time. And as the statistics show, there has been no progress. But I believe that we have the capacity for progress. I believe that we have the ability to move forward. I believe that the fat lady has not sang yet. <laughs> you say it ain't over to the fat lady sing. Well, guess what? She has not sang yet. And I think we just have to approach all of this differently. Now, after I uh, discovered that there was disparity in how underwriters were receiving verification of rent from customers who lived in the suburbs and or property owned or, or management uh, owned properties uh, versus customers who lived in the city who were living in landlord you know, living owned properties, landlord lives on the first floor or upstairs or around the corner. Once I discovered that disparity and I explained it and I got, I gathered documentation, I pulled out now underwriting guidelines. Uh, let me explain it to you. The mortgage industry is the closest thing that I can compare to the law. Uh, when I was in college, I worked for a lawyer. I worked for uh, probably one of the single most influential people um, in my life. He is one of the most influential in my career. Barry Burke at the Manatnock Building on 53rd on, uh, on Jackson Estate, right off of Jackson Estate. And um, I learned a whole bunch of things about the law. And I learned how to put arguments together. I learned how to research data and so much so that by the time I left his office, he really didn't have to tell me what to do. He'd come back in from court and I'd tell him what he needed to do. <laughs> I'd have everything ready. And um, to this day, he is someone who I honor and who I appreciate. So I get into the mortgage business and I'm applying this same uh, you know, skill set to the mortgage industry because underwriting guidelines are thousands and thousands of pages long. If you are a mortgage professional and you want to present a case for a customer to be able to get a mortgage, I'm, I'm telling you all these details because I need you to understand the depth of the disparity and the depth of the discrimination so that when we ask for what we want, 
And when we do the work, then we will have the ability um, and, and we'll be doing the right work. Nobody wants to stay on a treadmill running and going nowhere fast. Okay. So I apply these, um, you know, this basic skill set. And then I told everyone I knew. I told other loan officers. I told other underwriters. After I broke the code with this particular area of mortgage approval or this particular area of the mortgage approval process, then I basically um, did the work to make it a new precedent. Because the precedent up until that point was if you were unable to verify uh, that you had paid your rent on time in the way that the system had set it up, then you couldn't get a house. That was, it was just as simple as that. Now, I'm not even going to talk about um, the millions of Americans and uh, in, in a, a large percentage of them being African-Americans who didn't even have checking accounts. Okay. Um, I'm not even going to talk about the large percentage of African-Americans who, if they had a checking account at one point, could not get another one because they messed it up over drafts. I'm not even going to talk about the billions of dollars that banks had made at that point in time on overdraft fees and NSFs and, you know, all these things. And so um, we, we're talking about access and then we're talking about opportunity. If I don't have access to a bank account, I don't have the opportunity to show a canceled check. If I live on a certain side of the city or the town or the country, uh, my landlord doesn't even accept checks. And you're telling me, even though I pay my mortgage every single month with cash and I've got receipts. So the underwriters had to start accepting receipts. They had to start accepting written receipts. And then the underwriter said, well, you know, I don't know who's, who wrote these receipts. I said, I don't know who wrote that letter. I said, we, we can't go into this assuming that people are automatically telling lies. We have to follow the rules. And what I'm going to say to you is that you have to learn the rules of the game and then play the game by the rules. The harvest is here and the time is now. Hi, I'm financial expert Lynn Richardson. You may have seen me on Good Morning America, The Steve Harvey Show, or Get Up Mornings with Erica Campbell. Guess what? Did you know you can get your money back if you hire your kids? You can get your money back if you go out to eat. You can get your money back if you go on a vacation. Well, guess what? In my book, Get Your Money Back, Tax Deductions You Never Know About, I'm going to teach you how you can get your money back with your home-based business legally, ethically, and all with the permission of the IRS. Just go to askblend.org. We're still talking about closing the black wealth gap, and we are still talking about home ownership. Why? Because home ownership is the foundation for building wealth. And when I think about the fact that the historical certainty, the fact, uh, the proof is in the pudding that after World War II, and I'm just going to deal with this, that particular period of time up until now, um, after World War II, veterans were able to use the GI, uh, the GI Bill, um, the veterans loan, uh, whatever you want to call it, it, to buy homes. And home ownership is the foundation for building wealth. Why? Because home ownership, for the most part and for the long term, is an appreciating asset. If you buy a car for $20,000, it is not going to be worth $100,000 20 years from now. But if you buy a house for $20,000, it will be. So what about all those homes? What about all those opportunities? I remember growing up in the projects 
and uh, right across 45th Street. So I lived on 44th, but if you walked um, further south to 45th Street, um, you'd see the homes. And I thought the homes were owned by rich people, rich black people. There were black people in homes. Now, if you went across 47th Street in Chicago, um, it was all Caucasian. If you went uh, on the other side of Cicero, if you went east of Cicero, then it was Hispanic and then Polish. And, you know, you had all these other cultures. Uh, Chicago was uh, and, and I guess still is in some cases a, a very racially divided um, city. But I thought that the people who lived in homes were rich because, again, I knew Grandma B made $25, $30 a day, $40 a day or whatever. And we lived in this one bedroom, very, very tiny space. Grandma Banks lived in a bigger uh, you know, unit in the projects with, I think, four bedrooms and an upstairs. And ours was all on one level, but it was all um, poor. It was all, in my mind... Um, we were less than in my mind, we did not have as much as. And so when I saw the homes, I thought, wow, I wonder what it took for them to do this. And, um, you know, now being a person in the real estate industry, they were buying those homes for $10,000, $15,000, $20,000. There's still families who live in that community, even though the projects are no longer there, the homes are still there. There are people who bought those homes I would imagine for for fifteen or twenty or thirty or forty thousand dollars now those homes are worth three hundred thousand dollars okay so if you purchased a home um in the sixties or the seventies for twenty or thirty thousand and now it's worth two hundred and fifty thousand and it's paid in full, you have basically the ability to get some cash okay and so this is what we need to close the wealth gap in America. There's a long list of things. And I cannot uh, go down that list with any level of uh, decency um, in a one-hour show. Um, this is why we do this show Monday through Friday, every single day. And um, we will go down that list. But I'm going to say ask for what you want. I'm going to say faith without work is dead. But I'm also going to say that homeownership is the foundation for building wealth. And we need to master it. KBLA Talk 1580. We've got a lot to talk about. Thanks for having our backs in year one. We appreciate you downloading our KBLA 1580 app and spreading the word about the talk of the town. KBLA Talk 1580. Welcome forward. Now, this is the Millionaire's Roundtable here on KBLA Talk 1580. And this is Lynn Richardson. And we are creating millionaires one family at a time, one day at a time, one dollar at a time and one dime at a time. And that means you. The harvest is still here. The time is still now. And yes, we can close the black wealth gap in America. And I think it calls for an all out attack on uh access to real estate. I think it calls for an all out focus on getting our ducks in a row. I think it calls for an all out exposure of the inequalities and the disparities that still exist today. That still exist today. Uh, my husband and I purchased a home in uh, California, as I've shared uh, many times on this show. And Everything was in place. Credit, 
money, no issues. Yet we experience biases during the process. Um, I spoke to one of my colleagues. She's in a mixed relationship. She is Jewish. Her husband is African-American. And she said she has experienced bias. I've spoken to celebrities who have credit and money who had to pay cash for their homes. And that's I'm not necessarily saying that's a bad thing. But also in this process, one element of building wealth and amassing wealth is sometimes using other people's money. So just because you have X number of dollars to put into an asset doesn't mean it's the wisest decision uh, for you to take all of your eggs and put them into one basket. Um, getting a mortgage um, is not something that I consider to be an act of bondage. Getting a mortgage is something that I consider to be an act of wisdom. Why? Because if you've got a 100000 or 200000 or a million dollars or whatever it is that you have, perhaps you can take advantage of low prices or low interest rates and instead of getting one piece of property, get two. So if you put all your eggs into one basket, then you don't have any reserves. You don't have any um, uh, thing to fall back on. I tell my first time home buyers all the time. Um, yes, I think you should have 20% available to put down, but it doesn't mean that you need to put down the whole 20%. Okay. So what I want you to do is I want you to take action. Don't believe the hype about how inflation and rising real estate costs are just so devastatingly terrible. I need you to take action and get a plan. Get your own plan. Look at your own scenario. Look at the scenario of your families. And the, the, the other thing that I'm going to say about this is once we get it, we need to share it. That's what we have to do to close the black wealth gap. When one of us makes it, we've got to lift each other up. The harvest is here and the time is now. Who should you go to for financial advice? Author, TV personality, and celebrity financial coach, Lynn Richardson. Let's bring in financial expert, Lynn Richardson. My girl, Lynn Richardson. Here we have Dr. Lynn Richardson. Good morning. Financial expert, Lynn Richardson. Lynn knows what's up. We're by financial expert, Lynn Richardson, author of Get Your Money Back, Tax Deductions You Never Knew About. Be at peace with the money that you have. Lynn Richardson wants to help you build multiple streams of income and create more passive income for yourself. You're listening to the Millionaire's Roundtable on KBLA Talk 1580. Welcome forward. Now, this is the Millionaire's Roundtable here on KBLA Talk 1580. And this is Lynn Richardson. And we are creating millionaires one family at a time, one day at a time, one dollar at a time and one dime at a time. And that means you. So what is the action of the day? What is the word of the hour? The action of the day is to ask for what you want. What is it that you want? Do you want freedom? Do you want knowledge? Do you want uh, to increase your net worth? Do you want to change uh, the cycle or end the cycle of poverty in your family? Do you want to earn more income? Do you want to help other people? Do you want to educate your community? Ask for what you want. Be clear, be specific. You know, I'm going to break down the mechanics of this thing. And we're going to talk about all of the elements of the wealth gap and median incomes and so on and so forth. But we've been talking about that forever. Now we've got to do something. So the word of the hour 
is faith without work is dead. Okay. So we can, we can ask for what we want. We can pray about it. Uh, we can have faith that it's going to happen. Uh, but until we do the work and for me, work is a wisdom opportunity revealed kinetically. It is wisdom. It is something that you do not know that you get to know. And I believe it comes from God and it comes from experience. It's an opportunity, another chance. When you are facing a challenge, instead of seeing it as a challenge, look at it as work, a wisdom opportunity revealed. You did not know, but now you will kinetically through action, the energy of action. Okay. And so I've said often that knowledge is not power until it is put into action. How do you put it into action? You put it into action by making a choice. I believe that the foundation for wealth started and still sits and rests with from a foundational perspective in terms of something that you can actually do. The foundation for building wealth for families is home ownership. And I want you to not just end there with home ownership, real estate uh, acquisition in general, how to be a real estate investor, how to identify properties that you can get for a certain number today that will appreciate in value over time. How can you build a legacy? How do you build an empire? I want you to start to take those steps now. Now, yes, there are many other things we have to do. We have to deal with income. We have to deal with, uh, you know, access to other uh, resources for our businesses and our small businesses. We have to uh, be able to collaborate and to unify. And so what I'm also going to say we have to do is we have to be in this space where each one can teach one. Once you get it, tell somebody else. Once you're blessed, bless somebody else. Once you know, now it's time for you to grow. Guess what? The harvest is here and the time is now. It is your season to win. You've been listening to the Millionaire's Roundtable right here on KBLA Talk 1580. Oh my God, we've had so much fun together, but you still have work to do, okay? First, I want you to go to all the social media platforms and follow me at Lynn Richardson. I am on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Instagram, uh, Twitter, and honey, I got a TikTok too, okay? I got a TikTok, okay? So go to all those platforms, follow me. The next thing I want you to do is to get help get started. Go to www.asklin.org. That's www.asklin.org. And guess what? I want you to stay tuned to the KBLA Midday Money Chain ahead of the crypto curve with Naja Roberts. It's up next after news and traffic on KBLA Talk 1580. We've got a lot to talk about. KBLA 1580 Santa Monica.